Why do you want to learn a new language? Where would you use it and how would it come in handy? This is what I'm asking myself every single day. Even if I'm not planning on going on a trip where I need to use a new language, I'm just like, my brain needs to stay alive. My brain needs to stay active. And there's only so many crossword puzzles I can do in one week. And that's why exactly. I just feel like putting my mind to the test would just be using Rosetta Stone to improve my language skills. And I'm always like idealizing. Oh, I want to learn Francais. So when I go to Francais, I can speak French <laughs> with the person in You go to Quebec. <laughs> but really, I'm speaking I'm speaking on a like dream level, which is also great. Use Rosetta Stone to learn the language of a place you're dreaming of visiting. But also practically, it makes more sense for me to learn Spanish. And if I'm gonna learn Spanish, I'm gonna do it on Rosetta Stone. That's amazing. They've been the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users, and they have 25 languages offered. You have fast language acquisition because they immerse you in the language. There aren't English translations, so you really learn to speak. You listen. You think in the language of Rosetta Stone, and it has an intuitive process, so you pick up the language naturally. First words, then phrases, then sentences, which means it's designed for long-term retention. And the app has a true accent feature that gives you feedback on your pronunciation, like <laughs> having a personal trainer for your accent. It's very helpful, okay? That was good. That was good. Thank it's, you. It's convenient. There's an amazing value. You can get a lifetime membership and just have every single language, all 25 languages you can have for your lifetime, and you can just work through them as long as you're alive. That's kind of an iconic mm -hmm. goal to have. So don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Who Weekly listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash who. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash who today. You will drive Welcome to Who Weekly, the podcast where you'll learn everything you need to know about the celebrities you don't. I'm Bobby Finger. I'm Lindsay Weber. And we have two very related Who We headlines. Number one, just Jared. Patrick Schwarzenegger displays new blonde hair while out for coffee in Los Angeles. Ah, ah. I know. Number two, Us Weekly, tagged confessions. Amelia Gray Hamlin says she, quote, completely lost her sense of self in 2021. Ugh. Now, would you like to ask why they're related? Why are they related? Because the reason she lost her sense of self was because she bleached her eyebrows. Okay, you know that's not true. <laughs> that's part of the reason. She goes, 2021, the year of the bleached brow and dreams coming true. The year that I completely lost my sense of self, not knowing that I would reclaim it even more authentically. So you're saying the bleached brow was not her authentic <laughs> self. Exactly. The bleached head on Patrick Schwarzenegger might be his authentic self. It's not. Amelia Gray Hamlin needs to warn Patrick Schwarzenegger that bleaching his hair is not going to help him reclaim his, his sense, sense of, of self. self. I bet he has a very complicated sense of self now that I think about it. I know. Well, actually, that's a little bit depressing to dig into. He's got some Schwarzenegger over there. He's got some Kennedy on the other side. Like, that's confusing. His pizza empire. Those are three conflicting things. Yeah, I'm sure it's really hard to be the son of a very famous couple. It's probably very hard to find your sense of self. It's also probably hard to find your sense of self after you spend, you know, a year dating Scott Disick. You're listening to <laughs> who's there? Our weekly call-in show where we take your questions, comments, and concerns at 619. Who them? Hi, Lindsay and Bobby. Long time, first time. 
I'm just calling to let you know that Gritty's belly button has a name. It's called a Wooby, which is spelled W-O-O-B-I-E. Crunch, crunch. Wooby is the name of the belly button. It's a Wooby. What? So next time we talk about Gritty's belly button, which may actually happen, I'm not going to pretend like it's not going to happen. It's called a Wooby. But Gritty's not a real thing. I'm quoting the ringer here. Mascots are always at least a little silly and ridiculous because at their core, they're created more for children than adults. Gritty is no exception. His hands squeak and his belly button, which Raymond calls a wooby, is a brightly colored Audi. The wooby, says Raymond, was the brainchild of Chris Pegg, who plays Rocky the Redbird for the AAA Memphis Redbirds and is a mutual friend of Raymond and Flyers, senior director of game presentation, Anthony Gioia. So basically, it's all these mascot pros coming together and like combining of the best of mascot culture and mascot aesthetics into one perfect mascot. I love that it's like a bunch of bros, these mascot experts Mm -hmm. in a boardroom going around the table being like, and somebody just goes like, give them a really huge and ugly Audi belly button. Mm -hmm. And everyone's like, yeah, 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 yeah. And squeaky hands. Oh, yeah. Raymond is referring to someone named David Raymond, who owns the marketing company that created Gritty. A lot of men in this boardroom, but I like it. (laughs) A lot of men from the streets of Philadelphia in this boardroom, Mm -hmm. putting their brains together and creating, you know, the perfect being. What is it? Mm -hmm. That part in the fifth element? Gritty is the fifth element. Gritty is the perfect being. Gritty is the fifth element. It's true. Yeah. Hi, Lindsay, Bobby. Um, long time, long time. I'm calling because you were talking about Dominic Fife when you talked about Diana Silvers. And I am a huge Dominic Fife fan. So I rebuke the notion that you say he's not ever going to be big like people think he is. So for one, Diana and Dominic are definitely broken up. They've broken up like three times now. Allegedly, he cheated. Who knows? Um but, like, they break up and then act like nothing happened and get back together. It's, they have a weird relationship dynamic, as most, like, people that age do. But second, um, I do think Dominic is actually going to be big, just because uh, he seems to play a pretty prominent role on Euphoria this season. Um, the trailer just came out, like, ten minutes ago as I'm call- when I called you, like, before I called you, and I watched it, and it it seems like he plays, like, a bigger role than was, like, oh, you know, first suggested. And this call is kind of a mess. But I just wanted to let you know, Dominic Pike is still has potential to be big. And also Chicken Fingers or Chicken Tenders or whatever the fuck it was called is a really good song. Even, like, yeah. So, um, Godspeed, Bella Hadid. Happy Holidays. Bye. Wow, our biggest Dominic Fike defender. Here's what I said, and I'll stand by it. He's not going to happen as a musical artist. I don't know what's going to happen with his acting career. I didn't know he was in... Did I say he was in Euphoria? Did I No, we didn't talk about Euphoria. We didn't talk about Euphoria. I only know him as a music person, so that's where I saw him not happening. Euphoria now has the reputation as a, a, a jumping board for people, so... Yes, yes, and that was season one of Euphoria, TBD mm-hmm. on season two of Euphoria. I still think it's like we don't really... You still don't really know if it's going to be as hype as the first season. I mean, what did we get from the from the cast of Euphoria? We got, I mean, Zendaya was already well on her way, she but we already. got Jacob Elordi. We got Barbie Ferreira. We got, never forget, we got Alexis Sydney Demi. Sweeney and Lucas Gage, and uh, who went on Demi. to star in The White Lotus. And Alexis Demi. Wow. Uh-huh. 
It's a star making Yeah, everybody machine. from that cast is pretty buzzy, but I will say when I said he's not going to happen, I meant as a music artist. And if you want to see more on that, there's a great New York Times documentary about Dominic Fife and like the investment in him from a music industry angle and how sometimes you just can't make somebody happen, even with mm-hmm. a lot of money invested. It's interesting. Get where, mm-hmm. where where I watched it. It's uh, I think it's the FX their FX series. You know where the Britney Spears documentary was. Yeah, I think it it's on Hulu. Yeah, if you have yeah, Hulu, you can like watch it easily. It's another episode of that. Let's move on to questions because I don't want to play any comments about the gestational period of humans and how it's actually two weeks Thanks. later than the forty weeks. Thank you. Don't care. <laughs> I can't, Bye. I can't. I can't play those calls. Actually, Sorry. just the thought of doing the math that's explained in those calls hurt me. So I'm looking at Jason Oppenheim's barely legible post about his breakup with Chriselle, and he notes that she was the most amazing girlfriend he ever had and the happiest and most fulfilling relationship of his life. What about Mary? Wasn't he famously with Mary for some period of time? I feel like that's really shady to say. Um, And I hope they deal with this in Selling Sunset Season 5. Crunch, crunch. Oh, Grayson and Chriselle. Grayson. Grayson. Chriselle and Jason broke up. Uh, it might, it might be Grayson. I don't know. Jason or Grayson. One of them. I don't know. But love is over, I guess. Love you, bye. Hey, Who Weekly. Um, long time, long time. I just called to say that Jason Oppenheim and Chriselle Stouse broke up, and I just saw it on People Magazine. Is it true? Did they break up? Um, yeah. Godspeed, Bella Hadid. Love is dead. Crunch, crunch. Why is everyone saying Godspeed, Bella Hadid all of a sudden? I don't know. It's Enough back. with that one. Hate that one. Everything old is new again. People are into nostalgia. <laughs> Don't like that at all. We couldn't. Pl- there weren't a lot of comments this week because everyone was calling about this. Everyone was calling about this. No one could, or, and 40-week gestational periods. I wish there were a song that I could play from Selling Sunset that was like, it's over, over, over. It's over, over, over. Or something like that. But I don't think there is one. Wait, oh, like one of the transition songs from, there's 100%. You're not, I mean, you're the one who's still watching that sh- the season, I, the latest season. I, but there's definitely one of the songs is like, it, it's over, it's over, over. Or like do that, I have to, or something like that. Do I have to write a song and uh, a stock garage band beat that's like... She's breaking up with Jason, 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 Jason. The funny thing about those songs is that you can't even write parodies of them. They're fully unparodiable. Like those transition songs are so authentically themselves that we are all like we all get the joke that there's they're a they're ridiculous, but it's really hard to make fun of them because it's like you can't they're too good. You know, mm-hmm. so it's 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 hard to even be funny about them because it's like they're they're so unique in their stupidity. You watched The Matrix Resurrections last night, right? Yeah, you did. What was the thing called that he was like, oh, it's a piece of software that allows AI to evolve. What was that called? Like a mo- 
Modal, 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 modal. Yeah. yeah. Neo's modal created this music. It evolved music Wait, into this. What? I understood like maybe 70% of the matrix. I still enjoyed it immensely, but I understood about, I, I accepted like halfway through that. I was only going to ex- understand 70% yeah. for many reasons. Mm-hmm. One, I'm stupid Two, I hadn't watched the original <laughs> recently. So I didn't really like, mm-hmm. there were some references I didn't quite get, but, but part of that 30% that I didn't understand was we're in a modal. It's a modal. He created a modal. Like, so I, I'm saying yes, but I'm like shaking my head. No, you know? <laughs> okay. Yes. Your body saying yes. Your heart is saying no. Exactly. My brain is saying no. My body's saying yes. What I'm thinking is suddenly, maybe my gut instinct is to call the Selling Sunset music like the result of the de-evolution, the devolution of music. But maybe it's the evolution of music. It's pop music at its most fundamental pieces. Maybe it's the most evolved. It's kind of like uh, music that has lost all sense of like what we think of music as providing. It's music as function, not as form. So it's yeah. like... It, it's music as a transition device without mm-hmm. any sense of what music should sound like. The person right. making the music is just like, the function of this music is to do this, but I'm not even going to think of when somebody makes music, they take in the history of music and how mm-hmm. music is made. This is music made without the without the history book. In that yeah. way, it is like computer-generated AI music. Because this is not music you can put on your Spotify playlist and listen while you take a walk around town. No, nobody's listening to this. It's music without any sort of the basis of what music is. That's why it's so unpleasant. And it's it's really an unbelievably, it's an unbelievable new piece of software, I'll say. Me watching Selling Sunset in Matrix Revolutions, we've been looking for Neo for a hundred years and then hearing that song. (gasps) Found him. (laughs) He's like, he's like, found him. (laughs) This is actually the first of two. Are there three? No, it's just two. Two couple breakup stories. This episode in which the couples do slightly different variations of announcing. The one later is just it's just stylistic changes. The way that Jason and Chriselle both decided to post about the breakup, it's like apples and oranges. It's like Grayson and Jason. It's like Brett and Jason. It's like Jason and Grayson. We don't recognize Brett on this podcast. We just recognize Grayson. I I will have to say for how inauthentic I find this relationship. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I, I, it's such a showmance that it hurts at this point. Mm-hmm. Their breakup messages were weirdly authentic. Like, mm-hmm. it actually is a little bit mind-boggling to me how not cookie-cutter the breakup announcements were from either of them, even though I find their relationship to be completely fake and a complete mm-hmm. plot device for season five and then probably season six of this stupid show, you mm-hmm. know? Even if this was a showmance, I'm not sure Chrishell got the memo. I think Chrishell is a very <laughs> forgiving and and um, potentially naive person. And even yeah. if this was set up for the show, I think she probably believed it way more than Jason did. So when Jason was like, okay, this is over. The season's done. Chrishell was like, what are you talking about? And he was like, oh, I don't want kids. And she was like, you don't want kids. And then it became this. Um. Also, don't forget that Grayson previously dated Mary. So like, it's Jason not even the did. first person. What did I say? Grayson? It's Grayson, Jason. yeah. Jason dated Mary before, and that's what is like even extra weird about this is that clearly this is the second person that has worked for him 
that has been on his TV show that this guy has dated, which that I think uh, outside of Hollywood would be wholly unprofessional. But uh, in Hollywood, it's a plot device. So like the adding that is people pointed out that he says um, she was the most amazing girlfriend I've ever had. And people were like, oh, what about Mary? Oh, what about Mary? <laughs> Anyways, he oh put God. his message. This is the kind of shit that gets us going, which is <laughs> Chriselle wrote hers on a kind of notes app situation. It was a, it was multiple slides. It had some details about, you know, I'm in a certain place in my life and uh, Jason is not. I didn't know that she was 40. Like, I tr- I truly assumed she was in her, like, younger 30s. She looks great. And I just didn't know. So it oh, makes sense to me. She's like, I, if I want to have a kid, I got to, like, do it. And I just can't date a guy who doesn't. Okay. Mm-hmm. Makes total sense. But He wrote his, which is pretty general. She's the best thing that happened to me. I've loved her. Da, da, da. She was great. He pastes it in white over a photo of them. Looking at it is giving me a migraine. It is so <laughs> difficult to read. It's it's as hard as Mary from Housewives of Salt Lake City's apology note. It's maybe harder to read. You're right. Selling Sunset is mostly white people, you know, so they're overlit white people, so they all look like the aliens from Cocoon. And when you look like two aliens from Cocoon who were glowing, <laughs> you shouldn't put white text over those glowing faces. Oppressive LA light, all of it's a bad idea. I mean, I can't understand how anyone would look at this and be like, this is exactly how this should look, you know? <laughs> the word continue is over his big chompers, his big extra white, extra Gorgeous, long chompers. White teeth. Oh my yeah, God. His ears. So something about this breakup, which again, it shocked me. It didn't shock Lynn. When it happened, I actually thought they would stay together for more seasons, even though I didn't believe you it was You always real. think couples are going oh, to stay God. together until forever. Always. This is not new for you. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Picture it, 1983. The Finger family sits down to watch Mrs. Doubtfire, and my mom is so upset that they don't get back together at the end. Thinks it was, <laughs> thinks we should not have watched it. Is mad Wait, that really? we all watched it. Oh, yeah, she was so furious. Does she know what he did? <laughs> it was pretty fucked up. Look, that's the truth. Those are the facts. She's like, he went through so much to get back to her. <laughs> okay. Sally, what are you thinking? Okay, so I don't know what about look. this breakup. <laughs> I don't know what about this look. breakup made me finally look into Jason for the first time. But at one point, reading one of the many, many stories about this, they referred to him as like the former lawyer for Enron CEO Ken Lay. I was like, excuse <laughs> me? It was just like casually mentioned in some article. And I was like, did they confuse Jason with Grayson? Did they confuse Jason with another Jason? Like, Oppenheim's not an uncommon name. Is there another Oppenheim who was the lawyer for Ken Lay of Enron? The late Ken Lay? The air quotes, late Ken Lay? He's alive, people. Ken Lay is alive somewhere, by the way. So I looked this up, and after law school, he worked for a law firm that ended up defending Ken Lay that of Enron. insane. Because he worked for a really high-profile, fancy-schmancy, expensive law firm. And then after a few years of being a lawyer, he was like, fuck this, I want to go into the family business, which was real estate. And so he and Grayson went into real estate. His, like, parents did it or something? 
I found this story too, which I had never seen because I'd never thought to really look up Jason Oppenheim before. Although he made an exceptional attorney, what website is this? Like some like was this Hollywood Life? One of those suggest maybe. Exceptional. Although exceptional. he made an exceptional attorney, Oppenheim left his practice to follow in the footsteps of five generations of his family who had made a name for themselves in real estate. In fact, his great great grandfather Jacob Stern started one of Los Angeles's first real estate companies the Stern Realty Co. in 1889. That's insane. This is in their DNA. Also, it makes sense as to how they grew the business so fast, yes. which was that they already had this incredible database of clients because the history of their families, real estate businesses. They'd been selling real estate to rich people for over 100 years. Right. It put all the pieces together. Everything suddenly clicked. And you don't learn a lot from that show, but what you do learn, one of the things that I, you do learn is that being a real estate agent, you're only as good as your contacts. So you're only as good exactly. as the people who, who you can call up and say, hey, do you want to buy this house? Or the developers who you can call up and say, hey, do you want me to sell your properties uh -huh. when they're built? Exactly. Wow. So Jason was a lawyer for Enron. That's insane. Uh, <laughs> and then- What's even weirder, well, not weirder, but just different, on a, is that only a few hours after Jason announced he was broken up with Chriselle, Chriselle. Grayson, a.k.a. Brett, he announced that he was broken up with his girlfriend, Tina Louise, who you might remember from having dated Bag, Brian Austin Green. Yes. But he was only with her for eight months, too. Oh, eight months after going public. Oh, because he went public with her at the same time as, like, Chriselle and Jason, because they were all, like, Yes, because they all went on vacations something. together. Exactly. We're going to tell you about a new show called Jocular, hosted by ER Fightmaster, whom we've talked about on the podcast before, T.N. Tran and Katie Kershaw. They're comedians, they're writers, and they're also best friends who are obsessed with women's sports. Kind of like I'm becoming obsessed with women's sports. <laughs> you sort are. of. Kind you of. Are. A little you bit. Are. You are. They're exploring all things queer, trans, and women-focused in the world of sports, and in each episode, they'll cover the latest games, debate pressing issues, and review how they're all really horny for basically everyone in the game. This is, every time I talk to someone who's a fan of women's sports, like a genuine fan of women's sports, not like a newbie like me, they're like, horny, 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 horny. I'm horny for all of them. I know. They're always crushing on people in the game. But that's why it's like we need a podcast that's not us to kind of tell us what we're supposed to care about, who we're supposed to care about, who's hot and who's sexy and who we're paying attention to. Yes. And that's what Jocular is for. Friends and experts will join to share their takes on sports ranging from women's basketball to soccer to power slapping. I don't even know what power slapping is, but I'm in. So tune in every Friday for new episodes of Jocular on Apple, Amazon, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts now. We got new boots, and I'm so thrilled. They're Tacova's boots. And you know why I'm so excited about getting Tacova's boots and why I was so happy to get why? mine in the mail? Because why? the girlies from Potomac went to the Tacova store in the most recent season of Real Houses of Potomac. And I was like, if Robin and Karen have Tacovas, I want Tacovas. Well, I have a good reason, too, because I've been doing a bunch of line dancing, and I didn't have any cowboy boots. And so I got my Tacovas. Oh. And let me tell you, the difference it makes to be dancing in cowboy boots Huge. On the line dancing floor. That's amazing. Oh, yeah. So you can really smack the floor and swing around. You need cowboy boots. Yeah, I didn't get cowboy boots. I got Chelsea boots, but they're great. They're brown. Oh, my God. I can't wait to see them. They're just, I like 
taking them on and off. They're so lovely. They're kind of a beautiful leather. They're beautiful leather. Well, they're bringing a fresh perspective to heritage boot making. They've carried forward all the time-honored traditions and quality you find in a great pair of cowboy boots, but they've innovated on comfort, style, and surface. It's true because cowboy boots can be a little bit hard to mm-hmm. break in. Yep. You know? Yep. Mine, I was swinging around, no pain. <laughs> no pain. And Tacova's is Western to their core. They offer a bunch of other head-to-toe Western staples like trucker jackets, the perfect jeans, performance pearl snaps, cowboy hats, bandanas, you name it. They'll get you outfitted. They believe in Western for all. And you can feel that when you go into their stores. When you walk in, you'll be greeted like family. I saw them do it to the girlies from the Real House of Potomac. It seemed like they were being greeted like family. You'll be offered a boot shine and a drink. Yes, even the hard stuff if you prefer. And you can get custom fitted for a new pair of boots. But if you can't make it into a store, Tacova's delivers the most premium quality and the most comfortable Western goods right to your door. Visit tacovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com and point your toes west. I didn't expect the For You page to be how I found out that Alexis Nyers was Doja Cat's babysitter. Is that new information? And what's the deal with this Rolling Stone article that she's talking about on TikTok? Crunch, crunch. Lindsay, you read this like moments after it was published you love doja cat i love doja cat i just i yeah i love i've loved her for like a while right just mm-hmm. through all of the the dramas in her come up but as someone who's an og doja cat fan did you know that alexis is currently known as alexis haynes was doja cat's babysitter for a while i don't think anyone knew that even the <laughs> biggest doja fans did <laughs> And that's funny. And it's funny because that's like a casual mention in her comp. First of all, this profile is kind of a mess because you can tell that Doja Cat is a little bit burnt out. And that's kind mm-hmm. of one of the points of it. But yet she still has to do these types yes. of interviews that are like really mm-hmm. extensive. And so I do feel bad because EJ Dixon, who does a good job with what she's given, goes to <laughs> the best reveal is that they're at this house and. It's rev- and she, Doja's like, yeah, this is an Airbnb. I didn't want you in my house. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't want. I don't want you to like judge my house. You know, essentially, like, I don't want you to write about my house. This is an Airbnb that we've got for this specific situation. I didn't want anyone in my house. No offense. <laughs> it just shows, though. Like, I would be frustrated if I was the writer because I do feel like that. You know, takes away. What's the point of even spending time with you in your space if this is even your space? We might as well just like you know go to the arcade or something. Mm-hmm. So like, it just feels very much like. First of all the next generation of celebrities are really up on their, you know, media. Yes. They know how to like play a game and the game is like, you actually don't get anything personal about me. But what's funny about this profile is you actually, it ends up being a little bit, the the kind of detachment from it all is is very clear and therefore is like the subject of the profile. Right. It'd be one thing if she was at the Airbnb and was told the terms of this interview are that you can't even say that I'm at an Airbnb. You just have to say I'm at a house. But that's not the case. So even though Doja is trying to be a little more private, that's a a really revealing detail. A very good tone setting detail to be like, we're in this place. Like, this is artifice right now. I don't want you in my private space. Or just like, I wasn't invited to her house. Right. And it is interesting for somebody like Doja who's very online and who, by Mm -hmm. other descriptions, if you didn't maybe read this interview, would say, oh, she's really open about with like her life and like she goes she loves to go live on Instagram she loves to interact with fans she loves to share stuff but like not maybe in this kind of setting and the headline it's funny they kind of the headline of this is Doja Cat doesn't give a fuck if you read this 
and then it has a star and then the star says, or at least that's what she wants you to think. So you're like, Mm -hmm. hmm, you know, it's kind of being a little bit shady. But the big reveal of this profile, and I I don't, I really, it's hilarious how often Alexis Nyers comes up on this podcast. I mean, she really is like a cockroach of celebrity culture, which is weird, and a Mm -hmm. reality TV nostalgia figure in such a strong way where I don't even think, I mean, the younger generation, no one in Gen Z is watching Pretty Wild, you know? Nope. Maybe they're watching the bling ring, right? And saying, oh, what was this based on? And and looking up the original story and reading about her. But I'm not, Pretty Wild is not something that people are still watching for at all. Unless the algorithm throws Pretty Wild on the front page of Netflix, no one's watching it, you know? I th- yeah, yeah, right. Isn't it E? It's like barely in print. And by print, I Yeah, mean, I think it might you know, be on Hulu, but Ooh. no. So it's interesting to me. It's like this the clip of her, you know, uh, Alexis Nyers on the phone with or leaving a message for Nancy Joe. The irony of this is that this is a profile and Alexis Nyers is once again complaining about the representation of what she said to a journalist, which is what she's famous for. <laughs> That's what's mm-hmm. really funny. Like, well, she's famous for stealing, but I mean, in terms of like pop culture memory, she's famous for complaining about Nancy Joe. Uh, what's her last name? The writer. Nancy Joe Sales. Nancy Jo Sales, who wrote about the bling ring and misrepresented her shoes. Nancy Jo, this is Alexis Nyers calling. I'm calling to let you know how disappointed I am in your story. There's many things that I read in here that were false. Like you saying that I wore six inch Louboutin heels to court with my tweed skirt when I wore four inch little brown BB shoes. $29! I was about to say, it's funny that she did this on TikTok, but where else do you do this, I guess? I guess this is the place to do it. And it did show up on everyone's FYP page, including this caller. Suddenly, here's Alexis Nyers, who's currently Alexis Haynes, being like, I take issue with this new Rolling Stone piece. And she frames it as in, like, you can't trust the media, you can't trust the media, because I think she just got upset that when she read it, her tone seemed a little more judgmental than she thought it was. You think I would have learned my lesson the first time with Vanity Fair, but I guess I didn't. Rolling Stone Magazine, this is Alexis Nyers calling to say, what the fuck? What is that quote that you put of me in the Doja Cat profile piece this morning? I don't understand. I don't understand how you can take someone's words and twist them in that way to fit your narrative. You took a story that I told about Amala, AKA Doja's, free spirit, right? And my experience babysitting her and being a part of her family for that short period of time and the amount of time that we spent together. And and I gave you an example of how wild and free this child was in the best possible way. And I told a story about how um, I flat ironed her hair once and right after, she loved it, right? And right after she gets on her bike drive or rides to the local community pool and jumps in immediately after we had just spent like two hours doing her hair and i was telling that story to talk about just how like free-spirited she was and you somehow twisted that into i believe the quote was that amala used to beg me to flat iron her hair as her babysitter the fuck well, so the profile says 
that Alexis Haynes occasionally babysat for Doja and her brother. We were a little more than latchkey kids, says Haynes. We had these hippie moms or probably given more freedom than kids should have been. And I guess she gives her the background of having straightened Doja's hair and then Doja goes and like jumps in a pool. Uh, the writer is talking kind of about Doja Cat's like biracial identity and kind of uses the hair straightening thing as like, oh, she knows she's trying to fit in. Like she's white, Jewish, and black. She's like lots of things. So the, the writer is trying to get more into that like identity, right, as be, of being mixed, something I can't relate to, something Alexis cannot relate to at all either. So then Alexis reads it and gets mad that her con- that her story about Doja being free-spirited is being put into a different context within like the writer's tale about Doja growing up. When I read it, it seemed that Haynes, what that Alexis was saying very loving things about Doja. Like the video was very much like she was being hyper defensive because maybe one quote that she wanted to be there wasn't in there or something. Because what's there, my interpretation of this was like, oh, Alexis has very fond memories of babysitting this little girl. Right. And Doja does say, you know, she, she I looked different. My hair was different. People mm-hmm. were very racist and very rude and unhinged and weird. Right. And most of her friends were white and Jewish, et cetera. And then she tells the story about um, having her hair, you know, Alexis Haynes straightening Doja's hair. So I think mm-hmm. that's where that's where the writer sees that fitting in. The thing about Alexis that makes this really funny is that once again, she's pissed at the at a the profile writer. This girl cannot. Es- I mean, first of all, she should not be giving comment if this is every time she's written about, she gets pissed off. Every time he- has she learned nothing? The funniest thing is, has she learned nothing? Doja Cat has to give these interviews. She's like becoming one of the more famous pop stars that we have. These are these are her mm-hmm. bread and butter. But Alexis Alexis Haynes, formerly Nyers, why is she still t- talking to the press if she hates journalists so much? <laughs> Did we ever get like a Vanity Fair correction on the Louboutins? Because here's the thing I don't understand about Alexis. I never saw photos of this court case. And the headline of that profile was very famous. famously, the suspects wore Louboutins. She gets upset. She's like, they weren't six-inch Louboutins. They were kitten heels by Steve Madden or something. They were a more modest shoe. That's the whole thing about the argument. But, like, did we ever get the truth on who was telling the truth? Because I feel like that's a strange thing for Vanity Fair not to have fact-checked. I just Googled Alexis Haynes. I just Google image Alexis Haynes in court. And Mm -hmm. uh, hold on. Let me send you a picture that somebody has clearly done the research on. Oh, there she is. Okay, there she is in court. They are kitten heels. Look at the shoes. They are a sensible low. They're a more sensible shoe. They're not a six-inch Louboutin for sure. They could be Louboutins, but they're not six inches at all. This is a very good question from Timmy. I'm obsessed with how Alexis only calls Doja by her real name. Do we think Alexis knew that Doja Cat was the same Amalat before this profile? Yes. <laughs> yes. For sure. You're the older sister. Did you have did you have to babysit? Did you hate that? Or were you like, whatever? Are you kidding? I was literally in the babysitter's club. I was a huge babysitter. <laughs> that cash, you make it you make that money in cash. And then when I was in college, I babysat. The first time I ever went to Brooklyn was for babysitting. I babysat really regularly. Yeah. And the couple owned a big brownstone. And I was always like, whoa. That's cool. Yeah, I baby I babysat for many, many years. Great money. Babysitting rules. Hi, Lindsay Bobby. Um, I really need you guys to look at Tira Wax's um, celebrity reviews on her TikTok. 
They're really fun. Bye. Okay, before we start this segment, I'm going to play this Tierra Wack celebrity review from a couple, like a week ago where she reviews Jack A. Harry. All right, now, y'all, today's ceremony is for Sister Jack A., a.k.a. Tia and Tamara's mother. <laughs> uh, let's get straight into it. I want to start off by saying I strongly dislike this wig, little skunk wig. That's what it's given. Um, yeah, hope it don't stink. Uh, this picture right here is pretty cute. It's a little too airbrushed. Look like it need to be on a t-shirt or something. Ain't nobody skin this move, honey. You ain't slick. <laughs> she thought we wouldn't notice. <laughs> Wait, the whoopee one is really, really funny, though. Ladies and gentlemen, please put your hands together for Sister Mary Clarence, also known as Whoopi Goldberg. That's right, folks. You guessed it. Okay, now, whoop. What the hell is these, honey? <laughs> now, these must be called uh-uhs because, mm-mm, you need to be whooped for wearing these, whoopee. <laughs> Shoot. Now, I ain't never seen no open ankle boo. I heard an open toe, but not open ankle. Where were you going? I know they ain't let you in. I'm pretty sure these went against the dress code. <laughs> Wait, I can't. You have to see. She's reviewing Whoopi Goldberg's Instagram and, like, zooming in, and it's just, it's, it's really fucking funny. It's a great use of the form, and we love people using uh, a very broadly used piece of technology in a different way. And I'd never seen this before. Reviewing celebrity Instagrams and just giving live commentary over them. Very good. She also does, like, impressions where she'll, like, she'll sing as the person, like, over their music video. Those are really fucking funny. She's funny. And she's she's kind of, like, old hat at this point, but I do feel like she's still kind of underground. Like, People who know, know. And she's already and she gets like incredible like campaigns for like Nike. Like I think like brands know that she's like cool and musicians know that she's cool. And I think a lot of people who listen to music know that she's cool, but she's still kind of like unknown. Janelle Monae vibes for me. Like is she a who or them? Well, she's obviously a who. Something that should make it obvious that she's a who is that she can have such an effective and genuinely funny and clever TikTok. I think if you're a them, you're incapable of doing something this clever and genuinely fun. Well, no, I think the issue is that nobody knows who she is. So her she can go viral on TikTok and people be like, who is this? Without being distracted by who she is. Yes. Right. Like it doesn't matter. Like she just went she just went viral because she's really funny. And like people who knew were like, oh, this is Tierra Wax. She's like a good musician, too. But people who didn't know just were like, this is really funny. Like it pops up on your FYP right after Alexis Nyers complaining about Rolling Stone. And you're like, oh, this is what I came here for. A funny TikTok person. She's great. But she's run the TikTok gamut because two years ago, before TikTok really blew up in 2019, she had a viral sound from one of her songs, Hungry Hippo. debut album was called whack world i remember when it came out she's like from philly it was like it was like on all the lists like end of year lists and stuff people really loved it it was just like 15 minutes of music and video and a bunch of really short songs that she put together and it was on the like you said tons of year-end lists what i find really funny is that she didn't get nominated for best new artist at the grammys she's never been nominated for best new artist but she's been nominated for best music video yeah that means i think that she's still eligible to be nominated for best new artist in the future if this new album goes over well that she just released a couple of weeks ago she should i mean she's the vibe is really interesting because it's like it's like throwback but also future which is why it's funny that i like said janelle monet because like her aesthetic is more more like missy elliott in terms of like she loves like a like puppetry and like yeah. neon and like, like i don't know how to she's very like, cartoony it's, it's cartoony it's yeah. very cartoony exactly yeah. like busta like those ty- like those types of fun colorful kind of 
characters. Over the top. Uh, yeah. But she but she almost feels like she's also from the future, which is why I say Janelle Monet, not in like a robot way, but as like a, her aesthetic is very, I don't know, forward thinking, it, it feels like, you know, mm-hmm. I was reading something. I think NPR called her avant instead of avant garde. What do they call her? Oh, avant grotesque. Because one That's of her videos, it's makes like total sense. she goes to like the dentist. They put this really humongous comical smile on her face at the end of it. You know, it's that sort of stuff. And then later in one interview, she talks about how obsessed she is with Dr. Seuss, which makes a lot of sense. It's like, what if Dr. Seuss were a little fucked up? That's part of the vibe as well. Right. So anyways, the TikTok is the reveal that she's like authentically hilarious, which I think a lot of people knew. But it's just funny to go viral and people not knowing even who you are that you're like a musician she also just released a song called megan good which i'm going to play a clip of here i'm doing megan good i'm doing megan good yeah speaking of megan good hi medium medium i'm really high and i don't think my last voicemail made sense but sherry shepherd posted on her instagram grid about Megan Good's divorce and, like, a very long caption about how it, like, shook her. And I'm like, am I crazy? And that's actually, like, a totally normal, appropriate thing to do? Or is this cuckoo bananas behavior? Um, Also, I love Sherry. And she's wild on her Instagram, right? So even, like, I feel like things that I wouldn't accept from on other people's grids, like, I will accept on hers because she really is, like... She's really posting all the time over there um, and always writing captions. Like, she's always got something to say in there, and I'm always reading. But this one really was like, what exactly is happening here? Uh, back to you, Cisco. Yeah, Sherry's Instagram is wacky. Well, she's very boomery in that she does a lot of videos. It's probably more videos than stills and a lot of memes. She's very supportive of her friends too. Zachary Levi's in an upcoming movie and she's like, I'm so proud of this movie that my friends made. And she posts the full trailer on her Instagram, right? That's nice of her. She loves supporting people. She loves lifting people up. She loves making people laugh. But this is a very strange version of that. And the caller is talking about an Instagram that she posted on Wednesday. And it's a screenshot of a news Instagram because you can see a sliver of heart comment stuff underneath it. Okay. But it says, Megan Good's husband, Devon Franklin, files for divorce after nine years of marriage. She posts this headline and photo to her Instagram and writes, Not gonna lie, this news completely fucked me up. Just goes to show you, you can have all the tools and best intentions. You can post all day about how happy you are on social media. At the end of the day, nobody knows what goes on inside your home and how much work it takes to make a marriage actually work. I'm sorry this union didn't work out. Don't know if I'm in a fairy tale land, but I still hope it does. No matter what, I wish at Megan Good and at Devon Franklin the very best. Thank you both for giving me hope and inspiring me to try this thing called, quote, marriage again. Although at my age, that celibacy thing is out the window. The celibacy line is because they both got a lot of headlines when they got married because one of his things, he's very Christian and he writes a lot of self-helpy, very Christian books and they've actually written one together. One of their tenets is that you should be celibate before marriage. He's like, I wasn't. I'd fucked before. But Megan Good had was a virgin until she married Devon Franklin. So that's a okay. big part of their narrative. That's what Sherry was talking about. But I think that's the reveal that Sherry actually knows Megan Good and is friends with her. So this isn't like one of those things where she's like watching from afar. Like they were yeah, in, they work together think too. like a man yeah. together and they're mm-hmm. friends. And Sherry herself is divorced. So I do think this is a mix of being weird, 
being divorced, oversharing, and she's actually friends with Megan Good. That's why mm-hmm. I think that she did this. The reason why I think she posted this is because she's like a host. Yeah. She's like a news person. I think these people who host these newsy shows are encouraged to comment on the news on their social too. Mm-hmm. So I think the like posting of the news, which is the weirdest part about this, and not just like reposting an Instagram on your stories and being like, oh, this is so sad. Like, you know, I'm I'm bummed about this. Like this whole like mm-hmm. reposting thing is a mix of her being like the boomer vibes of not using Instagram properly, aka how what does even that even mean? But whatever, yeah. not be not using it way familiar we're familiar with. And also seeing herself as like somebody who comment who's commentating on the news, which is what she does <laughs> for I, a living. Yeah, but I do have to say all, all of the Am all of the headlines and all of the headlines in recent memory that she posts on her grid. She does post a lot of headlines on her grid, but let's go yeah. through some of them. The best celebrity Halloween costumes of 2021, and she's one of them on People.com, and then another one is right. Sherry right. Shepard on Us Weekly. Sherry Shepard tapped to return to guest host on the Wendy Williams show, um, and then another one is. From Deadline, The Wendy Williams Show, guest host Sherry Shepard undergoes emergency surgery, Michael Rappaport to step in. So it's like news about herself. So it is a little strange that she posted news that's about someone else, but she does give it a personal slant at the end of it. Yeah, I think she took it personally. I think that's why. I think she took it personal. Because I think she's like, this woman was, they were married for nine years, but you never uh-huh. know just because it was so long doesn't mean they didn't have issues. You know what I just saw Sherry Shepard on and she was very good is uh, Sex Lives with College Girls. Sherry's oh, yeah, in she's it. Been she's been promoting that a lot. Very yeah. good. She's you really good. You finished that show, didn't you? You said it was good. Yeah, I ended up really liking it. Actually, I had to. I had to get over the hump of the first episode, and then I enjoyed it. We'll talk, talk about it on the Patreon. But what did you text me? It finally got me. <laughs> okay, or something. <laughs> well, we're gonna talk about Gavin Leatherwood, who's also on that show. So it actually oh, kind of relates yeah, yeah, yeah. to the next person we're gonna talk about. Wow, these were all like kind of blowing into each other. But before we segue into Gavin Leatherwood, Megan Good, someone else called about Megan Good. Yes, she's had a song named after her by Tierra Wack. And yes, she's been in a million movies and a million TV shows, including Eve's Bayou, which kind of like Anna Paquin in The Piano, the best movie she ever made was when she was a kid. Megan Good, who were them? One, two, three. <sighs> them? them? But her estranged husband, Devon Franklin, who totally... He's a producer. He produced that movie with Chrissy Metz, Breakthrough. He makes very, like, self-helpy, motivational, religious-y stuff. That's his bread and butter. Speaking of Instagram breakup announcements, the way that they announced their breakup was with... This is interesting. We've seen this before. Which couple recently did this? Sean and Camilla, I think. Both Devon and Megan posted the exact same photo of the two of them from behind kind of side hugging each other, sitting on a golf course, staring out at this like, honestly, kind of beautiful view of the water. I can't tell where it is. I hate this fake all caps font that you can do on that, that she I hate used it. on it's her. Disgusting. What is, I don't even understand how you do it. It's like, you do it on, you caps. do it online and then you paste it. Okay. It's, but it's like, what do you even call it? It's, it's fake it's caps. It's like Unicode. Font. It's like Unicode all caps. It's like, <laughs> okay. it's like a, it's like a hack and it's awful. But they posted the exact same copy, which is after much prayer and consideration, we have decided to go into our future separately, but forever connected. Blah, 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 blah. We're extremely thankful to God for the testimony being created inside us both and for blessing our lives with each other. They posted the same stuff, but with different fonts. Devon's is Instagram font, just normal caption, normal font. Megan Good took the extra work and and went to some sort of app or website That's where she could get Unicode all caps and pops it in. But did you also notice that they both 
tagged it in the same place, which was Forever Love. Forever Love. You know who liked both of them? Normani. Normani. She liked she liked both posts. She said, I'm not choosing. I like them both. But let's go back to Gavin Leatherwood really quickly. Hey, guys. Who's Gavin Leatherwood? Um, I know that he's on Sex Lives of College Girls. That's how I was introduced to him. But I saw something on Demois about him not speaking to his co-stars. And when I looked on his Instagram, it seems like he's friends with Kiernan Shipka. Um so maybe he's been in other things, but I've never seen him in anything before. Uh, so do you know anything about him? All right. Guard Joe pizza rolls. I couldn't even remember what it was she does. All right. Bye. This is very funny because Gavin Leatherwood, this show, I think we have obviously more of a millennial fan base versus a younger fan base. Although, you know, I'd love more young people to look, young and cool people to call and correct me. But what I'm trying to say is that it's interesting that people are calling now about Gavin Leatherwood. I think they did call in the past. We just, I never watched Sabrina. I never watched Sabrina, the Kieran and Shipka Mm -hmm. Sabrina reboot, because he was the main heartthrob on that show. And if anything, he's kind of old hat to younger people because of that show. That's where he broke out. And now he's on Sex Lives with College Girls. And that is a little bit of an older show, I think, maybe. Just guessing. I'm not sure who's watching it, but I watched it. So I don't know. And I and mm-hmm. he's the heartthrob on that show. So now we're getting calls being like, who is this guy? Where did he come from? And it's like, actually, he's kind of, quote, unquote, been around because he was already a big character and a big source he's of conversation. He's been a heartthrob before. Exactly. His breakout hunk mo- show was not this show. It was it was that show it was uh sabrina right i like this story from 2019 who is gavin leatherwood on l australian l excuse me meet the new netflix heartthrob to know noah centineo is shaking remember when noah centineo could be shaking when's the last time we thought about noah centineo and the fact that he could possibly be shaking i haven't thought about noah centineo in so long that's what i'm saying and i love that for us right (laughs) (laughs) Like Gavin Leatherwood has stood the test of time where it's like Noah Centineo's heartthrob status, I think, has fizzled and Gavin Leatherwood is only getting stronger. He stood the test of time because he got cast in another show that people are watching. It's uh, Noah Centineo was once the once his To All the Girls I Love Before ended, we were like, OK, what's next for Noah Centineo? We're waiting. You know, like that was mm-hmm. the real question is how he would still move on from there. And maybe he's been auditioning for things he's not landing. Maybe he's mm-hmm. great as a hunk in that, but maybe not as good of an actor elsewhere. What has he done since then? I don't even know. He's done three to all the boys, including one that just came out like earlier this year. His next two things that are filming, like put me in a bag and bury me. Untitled Noah Centineo slash Netflix spy project. Over. Forget it. He's done. <laughs> Forget it. Forget it. He's done. We're done. He's no done. more Noah Centineo. We're Forget all about Gavin, Le- Gavin Leatherwood now. Forget it. He's in Black Adam. TBD on that one untitled Noah Centineo slash Netflix spy project is like flush me down a toilet like um, we're done I'd rather focus on Gavin Leatherwood who is a hunk he's a hunk there are many possible breakout stars from college sex lives of college girls like the three main girls are awesome including Pauline Chalamet seriously Pauline Chalamet whose Mm -hmm. whose segment got so rudely fast forwarded through by you it was so boring. Okay, but here's the thing. I'm going to do that segment in one in like 30 seconds, which is Timmy Chalamet's okay. sister Pauline is also an actor and she is starring in Sex Lives of College Girls. That's all you need to know. Like that's literally okay. it. Everything Got else it. is dull. 
She's the mm-hmm, Beanie Feldstein mm-hmm. of the Chalamets. <laughs> She's good enough to be a thing, I think. Also, those three girls are all very good. Gavin Le- Leatherwood plays the heartthrob. Sherry Shepard is in it as well. So are other like older actors. Anyways, the show mm-hmm. is good and he's hot and he shows his butt. So we're getting, you know. Oh, he shows his butt. Oh, yeah. Oh, interesting. There's a lot of um, sex in this That's show. That's kind of rare. It's because called it's, Sex Lives of Girls. <laughs> right, I know. But like, I still think of like teen shows as network shows. And right, but not this is as HBO. HBO shows, so there can be butt yeah, The show is it, sexy. The which show is great. Sexy. I love that. People thought that Gavin was dating Kiernan Chipka for a while because they had nice chemistry and people really wanted that to be a thing. And the other thing about him, which makes him interesting, is he reminds me a little bit of the Riverdale boys because he also does music. So he's got some KJ Appa vibes to him. Oh, like the song Driftwood Mermaid. <laughs> as if you knew that song before, as if you knew. Driftwood Mermaid Come back someday Fight for your father Come back he also, the other thing about Gavin Leatherwood is he uh, hasn't really dated anyone publicly since he broke out as a hunk. So that's another like kind of smart move on his behalf. Could he maybe be queer? He could maybe be queer. When you haven't dated anyone publicly and you're branded as sexy uh-huh. or a hunk or like hot young thing, I kind of think maybe you're just not straight and you got to figure out a way to announce your queerness uh-huh. publicly. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Sure. That's my guess. I've decided. Gavin Leatherwood, potentially queer. <laughs> okay. I, <laughs> Put that on a shirt. There, potentially he, queer. He went ahead and he said it. <laughs> he said it. Look, all I'm saying is that he's potentially queer. I mean, it's great for his career to be potentially queer. I'll say that. I'm not saying Ben is back. I'm just saying PQ. Okay, let's move on. Let's move on. Hi, Who Weekly. First time, long time. This is Annie from Seattle. I loved your show here um, a few months ago. I have a couple questions. So in the song, Hey Leonardo, She Likes Me For Me, from 1999, they compare themselves to a bunch of celebrities. One of the first lines is, she likes me for me, not because I look like Tyson Beckford. And I just have to say, when I was nine years old, listening to this song on my Now That's What I Call Music CD, it was number three, I believe, of the Now series, I didn't know who Tyson Beckford was, but I also like wasn't that into pop culture, so I just kind of sang along without knowing who he is. So I'm curious if Tyson Beckford was a who or a them in 1999 when that song came out. And also, is he a who or a them now in 2021? Um, also in that song, they who Steve Buscemi hard. They say, or that guy who played in Fargo, I think his name was Steve. Um, so I had the same question. Was Steve Buscemi a them or a who in 1999? Because they who him in that song. He's clearly a them now, but in 1999 was he... And also, I think now that's what I call music was a them back then. They were at least, it was at least a them to me. Um, is it, has it been hooed? Are they still making those? Um, thanks. Would love to hear your thoughts. Um, Kiefer, what the fuck, Donald Gay Rights Sutherland? <laughs> that took me a second. Um, crunch, crunch. Thanks. Okay. First of all, I want to oh say God. that. <laughs> <laughs> This song is so funny. There's nothing more making your song dated than saying people's famous people's names in it. Like, it's such a good way to make sure your song does not stand the test of time because we have Tyson Beckford, Robert Redford, Leonardo DiCaprio, Steve Buscemi, Dirty Harry, 
and Jim Carrey. Oh, and Cindy Crawford. She likes me for me. Not because I look like Tyson Beckford with the charm of Robert Redford losing out my ears. Also, using the word fat as PH, not because she's fat like Cindy Crawford. That is the most dated. You got, oh, God, this song is. This song is not relevant anymore, and it's by the Blessed Union of Souls. <laughs> I like her for her, not because she's fat like Cindy Crawford. Tyson Beckford in 1999. We'll see who were them. One, two, three. Them. them. He was actually famous, just as a model, which is rare. He was. He was. He was probably the most famous male supermodel at that point. I think. absolutely. I can't think of another. And then, but what's funny is Steve Buscemi was he who were them in 1999. I have the proof. Oh. One, two, three. Who? who? In 1999, Steve Buscemi was in Big Daddy. That's the purest character actor vibe. He was literally getting gigs from Adam Sandler still at that time. He was pure character actor. He didn't have his breakout until, uh, what would you say? I don't know. A lot. I don't know that he's ever had his, like, quote unquote breakout. I mean, I guess Fargo is his breakout, but Far- also he's yeah, still sure. just Steve Buscemi. Right, and also I was thinking, wasn't he in um that Quentin Tarantino movie too? Which Quentin Tarantino movie? Uh, the the guys in the suits. Reservoir Dogs. I think Steve Buscemi is a them at this point, just because he's a character actor who's been around long enough. He plugged it away at the culture enough that people were like, "Oh, Steve yeah. Buscemi." <laughs> That's what it is. He's just never stopped being around. So Steve Buscemi in this list of people in this song is the only who because. Tyson Beffert was them at the time, Robert Redford, them, Leonardo DiCaprio, them, uh, Jim Carrey, them, Cindy Crawford, still them. Dirty Harry is, what's his face? Clint Eastwood, them. I definitely hadn't seen Dirty Harry in 1999, but I knew who Dirty Harry was. Sure. Right. That's like a touchstone. But I will say Cable Guy is a Who movie. (laughs) I'm like the Cable Guy is the funniest thing to put in a song. Were you one of those people who violently defended Cable Guy, Bobby, or did you hate I, it at the time? I walked out of Cable Guy. I fully <laughs> did not get it. I fully did not think it was subversive or good. I thought it sucked, and I walked out of the theater. I was like, I hate this. I now understand what Cable Guy was trying to do, and yeah. I think that it's successful. But I didn't at the time. I was too young to recognize the subversiveness. And also, so you Jim walked Perry out. Was did you so walk into something else? No, I just left. I was towards the end anyways. It was so bad. But like, I recognize that Jim Carrey, but the thing about Jim Carrey at that time was that he was so popular that making a movie like Cable Guy, just the general audience that loved Jim Carrey wasn't expecting like that type of movie. Do you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Mm-hmm. No, that I know what you mean. So, I know what you mean. Tr- such a troll, you know? I know what you mean. I know what you mean. I never walked out of a movie when I was that age, but I like the idea of like, your parents drop you off at the mall and it's like, I'm going to go see a movie. I would just watch the whole movie and then get picked up. But it is sort of exciting to think about walking out of a movie midway through and then just strolling through the mall for another 45 minutes while you wait for your parents to pick you up. Like going to Auntie Anne's, the two sneaking movies. into, going into Spencer's. <laughs> the other movie that I remember almost walking out of, but it was towards the end, so I just sat through the end. But I do remember making a very loud noise when it happened, which at the end of Moulin Rouge, when you it reveals that she has fucking consumption, oh, yeah. she's like, cough, cough, and there's blood. Cough, I cough, went, yeah. no! And then I literally was like, I'm leaving. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> Stupid movie. I've heard that story before. I've heard that story. <laughs> Sorry. That's the only I'm... other time that I remember being like, as fucking 
fucking pissed to walk out of a movie. And then maybe when I'm an adult, I've walked out of a movie or two, just like because they sucked or I was bored. The first movie that I can remember walking out of was Pirates of the Caribbean 2. Oh. And it was maybe 30 minutes and I was like, this is so bad. This is so awful. I remember walking out and then noticing that The Devil Wears Prada had just started in the auditorium next to it. And I had already seen The Devil Wears Prada twice. And so I just like walked into The Devil, Wears Prada, the Devil Wears Prada in the middle of like suddenly I see and I was like, oh yeah, I can just like, I could just pop on in. <laughs> I watched that instead. That's very you. That's very you. And let's end with some Christmas calls because I don't know, Christmas is tomorrow. And one of us is celebrating it. <laughs> I'm, I'll be, I'll be, I'll feel jolly. I'll be jolly mm. or whatever. I'll be jolly or whatever. I still need to bring you cookies. Hi, Lindsay Bobby. Long time, long time. Um, in the spirit of Christmas, I was wondering, do you think the 12 days of Christmas are ranked from who to them? Like, is it is Drummer's Drumming the most hooey and then a Partridge in a Pear Tree most dummy? Because I kind of think Five Golden Rings has more them power than Four Birds Calling, Four Calling Birds or Three French Hens or even Two Turtle Doves. So, Yes or no, um, is 12 Days of Christmas ranked from who to them? And if you're really feeling generous and or bored, do your own who to them ranking for the 12 Days of Christmas. Okay, um, happy holidays. Grateful from Alora. Crunch, crunch, bye. We did, who's in them? So we did this last in 2019. We did this in 2019? Will you just play that segment again? <laughs> please, please just play that segment again. Seriously. Oh, I think that actually is a good idea. It's like how people watch the same Christmas movies every year. They always watch The Grinch. They always listen to Charlie Brown Christmas. You can always listen to us talk about the 12 days of Christmas ranked from who to them. That's our Christmas tradition now. Yeah, you can always go back. You can literally always go back and listen to us. We never do reruns. I feel like we got some good reruns and we never (laughs) do reruns. So I'm going to let you rerun that. Our first ever rerun. That's exciting. Oh my god. Okay. Um. Uh, here we go. We, wow. I'm so glad I started it off with my Hanukkah song because this is truly torture. Yes. I know all of these, and I. You do. I knew all of them. You do. But since you do not celebrate Christmas, I feel like this is a song that's pretty popular all around. So I feel like if uh, you know it, it's a them. If you don't, it's a who. I'm just going to use that your heights, the high standard of you ha- you knowing this. Um. You know, this is the this is my experiment. So okay. on the first day of Christmas, my true love sent to me a partridge what? in a pear tree. Okay, that's a them. Everyone, that's a them. On the second day of Christmas, my true love sent to me two. <laughs> two. What did two they say? Two dogs them? a barking. Nope. Two. Two. Two frogs a frogging. It's the name of a Hallmark movie, and it's the Two Lords a leaping. Nope, that's later. Two two Turtle Doves. Okay, so that's a who. That's oh. a who. Turtle Doves. But they aren't. That's not a who. I'm just an idiot. No, they're all. That's a who. That's okay, how we're doing fine. this. This is an okay. unscientific evaluation. Okay. On the third day of Christmas, my true love sent to me three golden spoons. <laughs> <laughs> three. Three. A European country. European country and a and a bird. Three Germans. Knives. I don't know. Bird? A bird? A a European bird. Three Portuguese parrots. Three French hens. Okay, so French hens. Who? On the fourth day of Christmas, my true love sent to me four. Lord. Four. It goes four. Four French dubs. Four. Four light bulbs. Four. 
Calling birds. Okay, that's a who. Calling Five. birds? Are they all birds? Calling birds. Calling birds. Are they all birds? <gasps> no, no, no. That's the last bird. Oh. Oh, no. There's actually three more birds. There's two more birds, actually. But Wait, four five, calling. Four calling birds. What's five? Give me a hint. Five. Mm, mm, mm. Everyone knows that. Five. Mm, golden mm, rings. There we go. So, okay. Golden rings. Golden rings. Them. I, if, I suspect <laughs> that that's going to be the only them. But here we go. Five golden, golden rings. rings. Four six. calling birds. Three French. Oh, wait, oh, first on the sixth day of Christmas. Six. six. Da 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 da. It's six jars of aquaphor. Six. It's four syllables. Six. Da 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 da. Six bims are spinning. Geese land. Okay, that's a who. Seven. Da 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 da. Another it's bird. The same thing. Another bird that's a doing something. Seven it's a turkeys bird. clapping. A long-necked bird that's a doing something in the water. How about Seven that? Seven cranes a craning. Nope, swans a swimming. Oh. Eight, eight, eight blanca blanca. What is it? Eight blanca blanca. It's a human. Lords a leaping. This is gendered. That's ten. So I'm gonna call. I'm gonna call Lords a leaping a them because well, I you heard just her knew it. say it. Maids a milking. Did that? Does that Ew, ring a that's bell? not. That's disgusting. That's not a who. <laughs> <laughs> No. <laughs> disgusting, no. Your mom being like, disgusting. Disgusting. <laughs> Maids a milking? Nine. Da, 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 da. I for completely forget about these women. Women? Yeah, they're nine ladies dancing. La just ladies dancing. Nine ladies dancing. Okay, boring. Ten, Lords of Leapin. You knew that one. Okay. Eleven. Ba, 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 ba. Eleven. Um, it's like sharks um, a swimming. Not a cigarette, but a jewels of vaping. Not use it. Not smoking out of a vape or a pipes blunt. of smoking. Pipes, pipers. What do pipers, pipers do? Pipers piping. Ugh, there you go. Stupid. But I'm still gonna call it a who because that was too hard. Vapes of smoking. <laughs> and then finally, twelve. Blood of blood. It's a musician. Musicianing. Lot harps. Nope. Liars. Percussion. Lies. Liars. Per drums are drumming. drumming. So oh. the only them. Uh, no, this is just because I'm an idiot. <laughs> no, the only thems I think are partridge in a pear tree and five gold rings. That's fine. it. That's fine with me. Well, it's That's funny because me. actually that makes sense. So it's the first line and it's the line mm -hmm. where the where the cadence changes. Yeah, so where like, you go, everyone joins and they go, five Yes. So I only know the yes. parts where like I may have paid attention to the song because it changed or just started. Yes. yes. I think that makes sense. I'm comfortable with that. Okay. As someone who knew all of them, I'm comfortable. I forgot about the ladies who were dancing, but everything else. Jewels of vaping. It's pretty. Jewels good. of vaping. I'm gonna make okay. a. I'm gonna make a Hanukkah version of this next. Catch you in 2020. Um, <laughs> next call. Hi, Lindsay Bobby. Could you please rank <clears throat> from who to them? Santa Claus, Kris Kringle, Father Christmas, Old Saint Nick. I think that's it. Thanks. Crunch, crunch. There are definitely more, right? I mean, there's millions. Like, there's so Sinter many. Claus. What's the the one in <laughs> Miracle on 34th Street? Sinter Claus. The, the Dutch one. Sinter Claus. Let's Sinterklaas. not talk about those. Let's just do the ones okay. that the caller said. Santa Claus, Chris okay. Kringle, Father Christmas, Old Saint Nick. <laughs> are they all Vemi? Here's the thing. Are they all Vemi or are any of these hooey? They're all pretty Vemi. The hooeyest has got to be probably Chris Kringle. <laughs> I hate that Chris Kringle is like 
it almost sounds like it really could be just some guy's name. Like I hate like it's like Chris Kringle. He works on the fifth floor. I don't think that Chris Kringle is who he is. I think it goes from from who to them. Father Christmas, Old Saint Nick, Chris Kringle, Santa Claus. I think that Chris Kringle is just below Santa Claus. Chris Kringle is one of those things where it's like Superman. What's his name? Yeah, that's what I'm Clark saying. Clark Kent. It's Clark so Kent. like He's Superman, Cr- Clark Chris Kent. Kringle. He's Clark Kent. But it's so close. Everyone fucking knows that Superman is Clark Kent. Everyone fucking knows that Santa Claus's name is Chris Kringle. You know? Do they know? Father that? Christmas is so dated. Old Saint Nick is like, I don't even know why they call him Saint Nicholas. Like, I'm sure there's something Christian in there, but like, I can't be bothered to learn that history ever. And if you can't be bothered to learn that history, <laughs> honey. But it's like Chris Kringle is the. In Miracle on 34th Street, it's those two. No one in, you know, Natalie Wood isn't calling him Father Christmas. If he, if she does, forgive me, but I haven't seen that in a while. It's those two are the themiest ones. <laughs> yeah. Which one's the who he is, Father Christmas or Old St. Nick? Uh, Old St. Nick. You think so? Wait, would you say who he is or themiest? I think it goes who he is to themiest, Father Christmas, Old St. Nick, Chris Kringle, Santa Claus. No, Old St. Nick is who you think so? Really? Yeah. Yeah, who the fuck is Nick? St. <laughs> Nicholas. Okay, I thought, fine. Old I thought we were Saint talking Nick, about Chris. I thought his name Father was Chris. Christmas. Chris is his name Kringle. Chris or Nick? Honestly, is his name fa- is his name Chris or Nick? You don't even fucking know. You don't even know if his name is Chris or Nick. Chris Kringle. Is his name Chris or Nick? Chris or Nick? Okay, see, I thought for a second that Chris Kringle was created by the the person who originally wrote the story Miracle on 34th Street, but Chris Kringle predates that. Chris Kringle was already a, a name that people use to call Santa Claus um, before Miracle on 34th Street. Um, uh-huh. And actually, that just works in that in its favor. Chris Kringle, up there. Sinterklaas. <laughs> there we go. Okay. That's the so Dutch the one. So the answer is, what's the, I don't know. What is the answer? Who knows the answer? Who the to answer them? Is... We know the answer. It's our answer to make. Okay. Old St. Okay. Nick, Father Christmas, Chris Kringle, Santa Claus. Okay. Merry Christmas, you filthy animals. How about that? And to all a good night, etc. Are you going to watch any Christmas movies? Do you like enjoy, you don't really enjoy, I know you hate Christmas music, but like, do you oh, enjoy any Christmas, Christmas mu- mini movies? Christmas Torture. movies? Um, Beyond yeah, like Best Man Holiday? Sure. Well, especially because Pete fucking, the culture loves to call every fucking movie that comes out in December a Christmas movie, which is very rude and not do accurate. Do you like Family but Stone? Yeah. Of course, sure. Not as much as you, you really, but enough. You're not going to like watch it. I like Home Alone. You know what? Are you going to watch Home Alone? Maybe. You know, Jamie's yeah. never seen Home Alone. So I might Jamie's want to expose them to Home it Alone. just as a gag. Yeah, I'm like, Are aren't you, you kidding care? me? Like, okay, wait. So literally we were watching. Fuck, what were we watching? I need to be in the room with Jamie as they like talk about everything that the parents did wrong. <laughs> Like <laughs> Jamie being like, why did they leave him there? If you come to Christmas, we'll watch it. The so why didn't they so check we the were watching, <laughs> We were watching. We were watching something, and an ad came on, and the ad was for uh, uh, Macy's or something, and it was Kevin Hart and Catherine O'Hara, and Catherine said Kevin, and and Jamie did not understand. <laughs> Jamie was like, who is that, and why why is she yelling, Kevin? And I was like, what? And they were like, yeah, what, you, what is that? And I was like, oh, that's Catherine O'Hare. Oh, you've never, have you never seen Home Alone? And they were like, no. And I was like, oh, then like, this means nothing to you. Absolutely nothing. And I had to be like, yeah, Catherine O'Hara is like in Home Alone as the mom and Macaulay Culkin plays a kid named Kevin. And they were like, oh. And I was like, oh. <laughs> 
How old were you when you realized the Santa Claus was a pun? I saw the Santa Claus opening weekend. Wait. Vivid memory of seeing Santa Claus opening weekend. And it, it wasn't until I was it's an adult that I realized the pun between claws and claws. Wait, what's it a pun for? Like the claws on your hand? Like claws? claws. C-L-A-U-S-E. Oh, the Santa Claus. The Santa Claus. Oh, <laughs> I didn't know that. Because Tim <laughs> Allen, it's spelled with an E because it's a clause. No, no. Oh okay, that is, I'm. I never noticed that good. until my like fifth viewing of that movie because I was a kid and I didn't understand. Like I was like, I don't get that this I is a joke. I just, I just thought that's how Santa now. Claus was spelled. They added the E so it could be the Santa Claus, like a like yeah. contractual clause. Because the contractual like, agreement a... is if if you kill Santa Claus, then you have to become the new Santa Claus. That's the clause. That's really dark for a kid, I have to say, yeah. to have that as be a kid's movie. It's like if you kill Santa Claus, yeah, like the idea that you'd be in danger of killing him at some point, that would, that would freak me out. Here's the thing. If Santa Claus A existed and B died on Tim Allen's roof, it is a 100% chance that Tim Allen shot him in the head with a gun. Right. <laughs> like... True. Exactly. And it was on purpose. Uh, Tim, why does he have a bullet through his skull? <laughs> Uh, uh, Tim, can you explain uh, all these guns? He's like, it's my fucking right. It's my right to own these guns. Yeah, right. Literally, you're so right. Tim Allen would absolutely go on trial for murdering Santa Claus, and he would turn it into a Second Amendment issue and, like, protecting his home. I remember watching that movie as a kid and being being really confused because What's-His-Face, who played the elf, I found very hot, and I was a little bit, that made me feel uncomfortable. Oh, he's so hot. He was married to Christina Hendricks at one point. Am I, is no, that's guy? a different guy. You're confusing. He that's looks David. like that guy, but it's a different guy. He looks like David. What's his face? David Crumholtz actually was Adam's Family Value. And then he was in Santa Claus as the elf. And then he was in... Um... So he was married to... Oh, no, that's a different guy. You're right. That's no, totally it's a different, different guy. guy. But, this... but, but he his name is David like Crumholtz. Him. You love David Crumholtz, though. You've talked about this. I, he's, really, he's really cute in the Santa Claus, is what I'm saying. Mm. And mm-hmm. I found that to be very confusing because, you know, he's an elf and you're not supposed to lust after elves. Okay, this is absurd. And I hope you keep all of it. Last week, I cut an entire 10-minute segment on us talking about something at the end. Oh, Food dessert. Trends? Dessert. What was the next dessert trend? Uh-huh. <laughs> so anyway, sorry you missed that. It's gone forever. But also you found out later that the next dessert trend, we talked for 10 minutes speculating about what the next dessert trend was going to be. And it turns out there actually is a a definitive answer. And that answer is jello. Gelatin. (laughs) So our conversation was worthless. Gelatin desserts are the next trendy dessert. Yeah. Yeah. You heard it here first. Well, second, probably. We cut a lot. We record for many hours and we cut it down into an hour and change. So, you know, we do a service for you. You don't need to hear all the garbage. A serve? We do a big service. We do a service. Are you kidding? Big service. The editing, please. You don't need our raw audio. Hell no. Thank you for listening. (laughs) Merry Christmas Eve to all those who celebrate. Watch Home Alone if you've never seen it. And to all, a rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and now Spotify (laughs) apparently has ratings. So go do that too. Whatever. Rate us five stars on Spotify, please. Uh, Thank you to Katie and Eric of The Who's for vetting our theme song. Thank you to our research assistant, Timmy, for researching and assisting. And again, 619-WHO-THEM to leave questions, comments, and concerns. We'll see you on Tuesday. Have a great weekend. Merry Christmas. Bye. Bye. And you're not supposed to lust after elves. Hey, Lindsay Bobby. Do you think Nicole Kidman remembers Shailene Woodley's name? Or do you think she just thinks of her as like, oh, Jane from Big Little Lies? And like just doesn't remember her name. I, I 
I think if someone came up to Nicole Kidman at like a party or something, he's like, oh, hey, how's Shane going? She'd be like, oh, who? Who is that? Okay, thanks. We endorse. Hi, I just had to pause the pod to give a life-saving PSA. Um, I, you were talking about the sex tape that involved coconut oil being heated up in a kettle used for sex. Um, that's how I got a UTI, not the kettle part, but the coconut oil part. Um, just like don't use food for lube. It's how you get a UTI. Um, crunch, crunch. Is Beautiful Souls and a Beautiful Soul the new beauty and brain? Some food for thought. Crunch, crunch. Hi, Lindsay and Bobby. Um, just listening to your absolutely unhinged analysis of all the different things that start with D and putting Dragon Ball V at the end of that is the wildest thing I've ever heard in my entire life. I give you a 100% guarantee that more children know about Dragon Ball Z than about any of the other shit you put on that list. Um, as someone who works with middle schoolers and has to talk to them about Goku, like, with some regularity, I just really think this is a deep flaw in your millennial knowledge. Thanks. Bye. Hi, Lindsay Bobby. Um, first time caller, long time listener. I'm calling because my boyfriend got followed by Patty Lapone on um on Twitter today and then uh saw that he was the only person that she is currently following and like I'm calling because like she had to have gotten hacked or something but like why would this happen? He's like uh, a music writer, like works for a music venue but like not anything to do with theater. Um so I would love to hear your thoughts as to like why this would have happened. Uh grateful for Shana Crunch Crunch. Hi, so I'm at my family's Christmas gathering. That's why I'm kind of whispering. And I brought up Tarek Musa and Christina from Christina on the Coast and, like, how they're both getting remarried. And, like, everyone has an opinion. Like, my aunts, my uncles, my my grandmothers, everyone knows who they both are. They're them. I can't believe it. Everyone, they're fighting about it right now. You might be able to hear it in the background. Crunch, crunch. 